Miracy. I think there was one thing that I'd seen in the actual sewing business itself that making something cheaper does not make it an easier sale. And I've really learned that the hard way. Hello, and welcome to Course Lab, the show that teaches creators like you how to make better online courses. I'm Danny Eaney, the founder and CEO of Miracy, and I'm here with my co-host, Abe Crystal, the co-founder of Rizuku. Hey there, Danny. In each episode of Course Lab, we showcase a course and creator who is doing something really interesting, either with the architecture of their course or the business model behind it, or both. Today, we welcome Anka Herman to the show. Anka is an author and course builder who is best known for her training called Taming Tech Monsters for Online Entrepreneurs. But today, she's here to talk about her series of courses around the design and creation of flamenco dresses. Welcome to the show, Anka. Thanks so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Well, I'm very interested to see where this conversation goes, but let's start at just 30,000 feet. Who are you? What do you do? How did you come to be doing it? Like, What's the story that brought you to teaching courses about creating flamenco dresses? Yeah, I think the best place to start is in London, where I worked as a software developer. And then I took a trip to Peru and I thought I'm going to have a better time if I just learned some Spanish. So I went off and started to study some Spanish and kept going and then went on trips to Spain and fell in love with the place with Granada and Andalusia somehow got sucked into that whole world of flamenco. And one day I walked around the historic part of Granada thinking, you know what, I'd love to live here. And so I moved to Spain with a business plan that basically was, let's just see what happens. And so I thought I'd just find an online course and learn. And then I found out that there was no such thing. There was nobody who would explain anything. And, um, I decided to basically create the resource that I wish I'd had when I started. And how did you actually learn the skill? My understanding is that, I mean, dressmaking in this manner is traditionally kind of, you know, handed from master to apprentice to master to apprentice. Where did you come by the knowledge? I think I had about 80% of the knowledge when I even had the idea. I'd been like sewing all my life. I kind of, (laughs) you know, Basically, we learned to walk and pester my grandma to teach me knitting and sewing and all these things. And initially, my first approach was when I saw that there wasn't anything online, I asked the wife of my guitar teacher and I offered her a deal. I said, hey, I'm going to make you a dress. You buy the fabric. I don't charge you for the actual work, but you tell me what you need. Right. And so that was my first dress, the first dress I ever made. And then people started bringing alterations and I saw how other dresses were made and learning by doing, basically. And for how long were you learning by doing before you were like, hey, I've got some specialized knowledge here that I can teach to others? It was probably about four or five years later that I started to write a blog and, you know, and create tutorials and uh, started to teach basically that kind of material in English. That's the other part of it. Like, and I think after all these years, I think that I started the blog in, I don't know, 2009 or 2007 or something. And it was the only one about the topic in English at the time. And I think it still is. And I'm curious, I mean, this is a niche very outside my fear of knowledge and expertise. I don't like, I don't even dance at weddings. 
But how large is this market? How many people are interested in reading about flamenco dance and dressmaking? And like, how niche versus broad is this? Well, it's a great question because actually my conclusion was I didn't really pay attention to this blog and didn't even think of offering anything because I, the whole time I thought, well, you know, there's just like few crazy people who, who are into that sort of, you know, into that sort of uh, topic. And most, I mean, flamenco is really typically Spanish. So to even go for the external, like, oh, little did I know. There is enormous passion for flamenco literally worldwide. I mean, when I made things, I shipped literally everywhere in the world except Africa and Arab countries. But I shipped things to China, to Singapore, to Japan, to America, Canada, loads of, you know, flamenco in Canada and everywhere in Europe. It's just incredible. So there's a huge market of people who are passionate about flamenco and they can't just go to the local dressmaker and have something made. So there's, you know, obviously it's very niche. So there's not millions of people, but there turned out to be a lot more people interested than I ever thought when I first started. Very cool. And did you know that when you set out to blog and create courses? Or Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> well, I didn't know it when I started the blog, but I caught on to it. I, I think when I noticed that all of a sudden I had 2,000 people on my mailing list, I thought, oh, maybe, <laughs> you know, without really doing much to do it, like to get that, I had... um I had like a free download or something, can't even remember, as a, as a freebie on that website. And literally one day I looked, it's like, I've got 2,000 people on the mailing list, you know? So I think maybe there are people who are interested, you know? And that's when I started to think of getting patterns ready, like digital patterns to sell. And that's when the next step was, well, what if I could actually explain that? How exactly how I do it with videos and things. So that's when the course idea came came about. Awesome. So take us through the actual course. If I'm a good target customer for you, I want to buy your Flamenco Dressmaking Pro training. What do I pay? What do I get? How does it work? Like, talk us through all that. Well, it's actually one thing that I'm really glad I did when I first started. I actually sold it before I built it because it was a giant piece of work to build it. When I compare it to anything I've done after that, because I actually have to make the garment. <laughs> so it wasn't just, you know, recording some videos with a presentation, with a slideshow. It was like, you actually have to make the thing and record everything and then edit everything. So I was glad that I'd caught on to actually sell it before, before I decided to do all of that. But yeah, so the courses, they, you know, they're in the craft market and I still have them at 150 bucks where, you know, crafts, he sells courses for five bucks a membership for a year. I think there was one thing that I'd seen in the actual sewing business itself that making something cheaper does not make it an easier sale. And I've really put, basically, I've learned that the hard way when I decided to put actually skirts that I'd made for sale online. And when I actually had them more expensive, they sold better because I think when they were too cheap, people were assuming that the fabric wasn't any good. And uh, so I'd gotten that idea that making it cheaper does not. And I tried sometimes, you know, I would do like a Black Friday sale and offer them for a really cheap price and didn't find that people were buying more. So it was basically, okay, this is what it costs. Can you talk to us a bit more about 
how you work with your students around this skill. You know, it, it's a very exciting to be able to um, teach this online because it opens up so many possibilities for how you can serve people around the world. And yet I could also see at times it being challenging to get people to apply these techniques successfully through a virtual environment rather than if you were standing next to them, you could guide them through it and give them you know, physical feedback and so on. So yeah, if you just talk to us about how do you help your students be successful in this context and you know, what's worked best in, in terms of helping them learn. Well, I think the first thing that I actually always really make sure I point out and, and there's a lot of you know, client submissions or photos of things that people have made is to help them see that there's a lot of fabric involved and it's not usually your quick Sunday afternoon project, but it isn't difficult, right? There isn't any, you don't need any special skills for it, right? You just need to know what to do in what order. And so I show them that. So I've had a whole bunch of people who sent me pictures and said, look, like I, it's the first thing I've ever made. And you would see it, you would never guess. You think it's made by a professional because there's so many ruffles and it seems so elaborate. But I really make sure they know, well, it's not that difficult. There's nothing that you need to have advanced skills for. And I do offer email support. I've had uh, people on Zoom calls where it's like, look, I'm stuck here. So we can, you know, these days we can hop on Zoom. But it doesn't happen very often. I don't get a lot of questions or people struggling. Sometimes they have questions and they'll ask and then I'll send a Loom video back or, you know, if I can explain it in writing, I'll explain it in writing. But I'm quite happy to send a Loom video and show them. And yeah, it's not usually a problem. Quite often it's about how do I make this fit for me? And I've got a whole detailed video for that. And I think one of the biggest challenges is there's for one of the garments, there's a type of material required that's really difficult to find outside of Spain. So, you know, I've had to kind of do some research on how people can get it to wherever they live. How do you manage the provision of that feedback? Like, I can imagine that if I am taking your course and I'm trying to make a dress look a certain way and feel a certain way and it's not quite working, it might be hard for me to articulate what the problem is. And then you get this very imprecise articulation. Maybe I send some photos that are not super clear. And then you've got to provide feedback that is both clear, you know, objectively clear, but then clear after being translated through, you know, I'm watching your video or I'm listening to your audio and then I apply it. How have you learned to manage that dynamic? It's never been a challenge, really. I think, I don't know whether I had really a uh, tough training on that. I think it's like, Spending years making dance costumes for Spanish flamenco dancers who usually can't really express well what they want, you learn, you learn a lot. Right? There's all sorts of, you know, there's hand gestures to say, oh, I want to dress just like this. And there's this flip of the wrist and you go, oh, you mean a halter neck, right? I think I learned to interpret the weirdest signals. And um, I've not ever had uh, somebody who took the course who came back and says, well, I don't know what you're talking about. Or I don't like I'm stuck somewhere where I wouldn't know immediately where they'd be stuck and why, because I had to learn how to do it. So I know where somebody might get stuck if they're not really experienced or if they use the wrong kind of fabric or, yeah, I don't know. I've not had anybody ask something where I thought, ooh, I don't know how to explain that. Cool. And is there a certain minimum um, kind of skill level of 
for example, sewing that you require or suggest for people before they take your course? Well, I've had, to my surprise, quite a few people who send me photos of pretty elaborate <laughs> garments and said they'd never sewn anything before. So I never actually position it or explain it as if it, this is a beginner's course. So I always kind of assume that you know how to, you know, at least make a skirt or something, which would be the simplest garment you would normally think you can make. But that's the thing. People have surprised me on more than one occasion. So I don't think there's really that much that you would need to know. I guess, do you have any advice then for other course creators who might be considering developing a course around some type of craft or physical skill? What would be your words of guidance for them? I think from the feedback I've been getting is be generous with the knowledge in the sense of I would give them all the shortcuts and all the little tricks and all the things that I've learned. So, you know, like if you just go and you start this way, it's much easier because of so that they really get the sense like this is helpful and this is much more valuable than a YouTube video, you, a random YouTube video you can find somewhere. And something that allows like if you have any techniques or little tricks that will help people get a great result without fiddling a lot, without this being, because that's the thing, what you want to avoid is that people get frustrated and not finish it. So I think any sort of secrets, any tips that you can give that you might be tempted not to want to share, I think, yeah, go share them. Well, I'm just curious about, from the outside, this looks like a very small niche. And from the inside, there's apparently all this like enthusiasm and demand. What's the scale that you've been able to bring this to? I mean, you know, is this something where you have a handful of people going through the course every year or is it dozens or is it hundreds or like for, and I'm asking kind of on behalf of a lot of listeners who are in their own, what would appear to be a very narrow niche. And they're like, I don't know if there's really a lot of potential here. What has your experience been and how would you encourage them to think about this? So when I first created it, it was like 10 people here in that first round. And then there was another 20 people in the next round. And so people would just then sign up. So it was this constant trickle, you know, where I sometimes thought, ooh, I should. <laughs> it was never, I was always busy sewing instead of being able to market this. And I probably didn't know how to fully market it. Usually people find it through Pinterest because like I'm doing a little bit of Instagram, but that's that. So I think building a community around it, I think that's really, that's really crucial. I would always say, especially if you have that niche market, if you can bring them together and, and create that community, you know, around the topic, because then you know what people are looking for and, and you're not flying blind in the sense of, because I mean, I've done, I initially thought, Oh, let's just do the skirt. Right. So, and it wasn't really until I asked what people actually really wanted. And it's, it's really difficult if you don't, well, it's hit and miss. If you just create what you think they need, as opposed to what they actually want and feel they need, that's, um, yeah, I think the closer you can be to your people, the better. So I don't have it as a, like, this is the thing I live off. I just have it there. And I still kind of, I'm still passionate about ruffles and polka dots to, um, you know, to support it and to, to, to have it there. But you know, I'm not actively pushing it. So it trickles at the moment without doing anything. So that's probably, I, I always look at this and I'm like, this is so passive. It can't get any more 
passive income than it is. But, um, you know, I've not tried what would happen if I gave it my full focus. Very cool. Thank you for sharing that. I don't have any other questions. This was fascinating. Abe, do you want to do the readout? Right. Anka Herman is a seamstress, course builder, and author who elevates entrepreneurs by helping them tackle their overwhelming tech stacks. You can learn more about her and what she shared with us today by visiting flamencodressmaking.com. That's flamencodressmaking.com. Now stick around for my favorite part of the show, where Abe and I will pull out the best takeaways for you to apply to your course. Abe, what jumped out to you? Yeah, so, I mean, a few things. Certainly we can talk about the implications of being able to teach what was you know, traditionally considered a, a very intensive in-person skill and learning experience and translating that online opens up all kinds of possibilities. And then on the marketing side, two things to discuss, and, and I'd be curious to get your thoughts on, were A, how she pre-sold the course, and then also the fact that she actually described it as generating uh, passive income for her, um, which is something that we often say is very difficult to do with online courses. So it was cool to see her her thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I found a lot of the business dynamics were very interesting. So starting with the niche, which is, I mean, maybe I'm biased because I'm on the outside of it, but you know, it would seem very niche, very obscure. And yet, you know, she's got this thriving opportunity there. And she's been doing it as a passion and doing it because she enjoys it. And that's her, her business as a, as a dressmaker. She was like, well, what if I also do this? Because people seem to be following and I've been posting, et cetera. And she did follow the best practice of pre-selling the course before she built it, et cetera, which is the way to do it. And it's become very successful for her. And I think there's a lot of really interesting perspective from the way she approached it as a business. There is the fact that it is pretty expensive for the space. I loved her insight that making something cheaper doesn't make it an easier sale necessarily. Um, which we often forget, right? Often we want to lower the price. It's very much a function of our insecurities as course creators rather than what the market actually wants or will care about or respond to. But as she said, this is important information. People need it. People want it. They can't get it anywhere else. So it totally makes sense. And I also really liked the, the fact that kind of like you said, like you pointed out, it is kind of passive income for her in the sense that she built it. She's doing what she does as part of the flamenco dressmaking community. And that creates a certain level of exposure and people trickle in and they buy and it creates income on this passive basis. And, you know, part of me, my first reaction as an entrepreneur and as a marketer was like, well, we should, let's talk about how to dial up that marketing and seize that opportunity. And, but, you know, there, there's something to the fact that, you know, not everything needs to be a giant enterprise, right? And if you do something because you love it and it happens to be a very profitable hobby and passion, that's great. But if you do it because you love it, you don't necessarily want to make it your profession. You might just want to keep, you know, focusing on what you're actually doing. And, you know, this is going on the side and it's making you money. And that's all really wonderful. So I think there's a lot to learn from and appreciate here from the very strategic and intentional following of passions to the recognizing of an opportunity to saying, you know, I'm going to put this together and following the best practices of pre-selling and then rolling something out, et cetera. And then also not letting 
the successes that she's had kind of override her priorities that she really cares about. So there's a lot to appreciate here. Well, it kind of goes back to the old parable, right, about the fisherman in the Mexican village, right? And does he really need to, you know, catch a lot more fish so he can retire earlier when he's already happy doing what he's doing, right? Like, you know, maybe we can come up with ways for Aka to, you know, 10x the sales she's getting from this course, but she'd have to like work super hard to do it. Whereas she's, you know, loving the lifestyle she has right now. And the fact that she's able to just, you know, serve students who love what she's teaching. I like it. Short and sweet. Thank you for listening to Course Lab. I'm Abe Crystal, co-founder and CEO of Riziku, here with Danny Eney, founder and CEO of Miracy. Course Lab is part of the Miracy FM podcast network, which also includes Just Between Coaches, Making It, and Once Upon a Business. This episode of Course Lab was produced by Cynthia Lamb. Jeff Govertson assembled the episode. Danny Eney is our executive producer. Post-production by Post Office Sound. Another thanks to Anka Herman for joining us today. You can check out her courses at flamencodressmaking.com. And to catch what's next on Course Lab, go ahead and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you like the show, please share it with a friend. Thank you, and we'll see you next time. All right, are you ready? Wait, what's my cue? It's a behind-the-scenes kind of thing. (laughs) Hello, and welcome to Just Between Coaches, the podcast that tackles difficult coaching conversations head-on. I'm Melinda Cohen, and your host for this show. I also know that I'm listening when, again, my mind is relaxed. So I can almost sense that I'm listening on multiple levels. That's a great frame. That's a, that's a really great way to think about it. Um, I think so, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, because I think that something that is very dangerous is for people to think that being a great coach comes from having the credentials. One has nothing to do with the other. So again, part of it is just, you know, either through questions or asking what they've tried, or sometimes it's, you know, the forest for the trees thing. My favorite part of having the hard conversation is, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, so while I love what's on the other side, I think navigating through that conversation is my favorite part. Yeah, because we're not there necessarily as coaches to provide solutions. We're there to guide our people towards solutions. And I don't know if it's, you know, societal pressure or peer pressure, but we don't want to look like we don't know what we're doing. I want to help and support coaches so that they can evolve into their greatness. My desire for the show is if I could scoop up all of the coaches and bring them into my living room and bring up the topics that leave crinkles in our forehead so that we can fully understand what it means to show up in our greatness fully confident so that we can build better businesses, so that we can be better coaches, so that we can make a lasting impact on this world collectively. And we want to rise to that level. That being said, 
you do want to set yourself up and your clients up for success by making sure that there is clarity around their expectations and your expectations as to how you can help them. People have to know a little bit about what you offer. Otherwise, how do they know that they need what you can help them with in terms of that transformation? And I love having the conversations and navigating the topics that keep us at the forefront in a time with what I call the results revolution. Yeah, well, first of all, I just want to start by saying that this is a really good problem to have, right? So if you have someone who's resisting your price, it means they're really interested in working with you. The thing is, sometimes it becomes negative. It becomes toxic. I've been in the coaching industry for almost 20 years now. And over these years, I have seen everything behind the scenes in our industry, everything that works, everything that doesn't work. I've seen the evolution of our industry and of what it means to be a coach. I just want to say to all the coaches out there, you know, matching who you are to the kind of coach that you want to be is just a practice. Do you want to add some parting words? No, I think you did great. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. This is Melinda Cohen, and you've been listening to Just Between Coaches. You'll find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yeah, this is absolutely the tone, the feel, the everything. Okay, so I'm going to stop the recording now. Why are you stopping the recording? This is going to be fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's a wrap. That is going to be an amazing session.